0: Hier ist das Deutsche Fernsehen mit der Tagesschau.
1: Guten Abend, meine Damen und Herren.
2: Familiar theme music warns you that it's time once again for The Spud Goodman Radio Show, 60 Minutes of Audio on the Internet. So now, without further ado, here is the studio orchestra of The Spud Goodman Show, Accordion Joe. Because to you, who, the social outcast,
3: Yes, you, who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man. He goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready. Trumbo. Here he is, the head cheese master of the World Wide Web. It's Spud, 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 Spud Goodman.
5: Greetings, my name is Spud Goodman, and I am, in fact, a talk show host. If you entrust me with the next 60 minutes of your time here on Earth, I will do my best to make you feel good about that decision. You know, I can promise you some great music, interesting guests, and maybe, just maybe, some wisdom that can be passed on to future generations. With me tonight is our temporary permanent co-host, Mr. Gerald Holcomb.
6: Uh, welcome everyone to our show. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly who or what's on the program tonight because I'm not privy to that information. No, you're not. no I know, but but I have to believe that it's going to be both amazing and entertaining for sure. We at the Spud Goodman Show are committed to bring you Look, the height, dude. Just can you dial down the canned enthusiasm? Oh, yeah. I continue
5: to tell you that people want, you know, the low key approach. Nobody's into the hard sell.
6: All right, right, right. Got it. So, uh, listen. Do you want to share the exciting news right now, or do you want to Land wait raised. until the end of the show?
5: You know, I don't. I don't know. I. I mean, there's there's only not much to announce really right now. But oh, no. I am pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, they said I could talk about it anyway. So what? What the hell? Um, I just signed a deal to write my autobiography.
7: An autobiography is a written account of the life of a person written by that person. Unlike a memoir, an autobiography includes the historical and social context of the subject's life.
5: <laughs> yep, it, it came out of the blue, uh, that's for sure. I got this email from a company back east last week saying they thought I should consider telling the world about my life story. They're, you know, they, they're actually interested in putting out a book.
6: That, that is so cool. You know, to have a book about your life. Wow.
5: Well, I'm not going to lie. It surprised me as I'm not dead or at that point in my life where I thought I had accumulated enough interesting stories to right. fill up a whole book. You know, maybe a chapter or two, but.
7: The earliest surviving autobiography is by Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, written in 175 AD. The Persian philosopher, Abu Amid Muhammad ibn Muhammad al Ghazali, wrote his autobiography in the 11th century.
5: They convinced yeah. me that if I just, you know, Take some time. Let the memories of my life to this point wash over me. The book's going to write itself.
6: Well, uh, you are the, can't are, prevent everything. Are they bringing in a ghost writer? Uh, like who's going to write it's the an actual autobiography.
5: book? autobiography. Oh. I'm going to write it. Wait, you don't think I can spell? Well, they, they told me the final manuscript when it would be reviewed, of course, yeah. before it goes to print, but yeah. I have final approval on the finished copy, because I never would have signed the deal without that. Hell I mean, no, you haven't! That's right, because who, I mean, who wants to you know, have someone jump into the last second and retell
6: portions of their life? Well, okay, is it going to be a tell-all book, like where you reveal everything about your personal life?
7: Giacomo Casanova's autobiography was published posthumously in 1826.
5: Because well, that can be risky. I, I'm not going to go into detail about my masturbatory habits as a teenager, if that's, no, that's what you're asking. No, There's going to be a few areas that are off limits. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, look, uh, okay, I'm not, it's a tough call because we kind of went back and forth on this thing. I'm not going to totally airbrush my life because it's going to, I think it, I feel it's going to be an honest, almost totally honest story of my life because I don't. I can't be like a hundred percent honest because no. I mean, r- readers would throw up. I mean, some things have to be left unsaid. <laughs>
6: Listen, Just a couple things. I, I understand that. It, let me tell you, if and when I'm approached to write my own autobiography, it will be a challenge to pull the curtain all the way back. Because, you, listen, nobody's going to buy a book. I that don't is, really think they hand out book deals to temporary radio co-hosts. know i'm just saying oh no no this is not my final stop in the radio business but as i told my wife my role right now on this show is like being a teenager and i got my first job at mcdonald's you know very soon i'll be moving up in the industry and i'll start living a life that will support a big thick hardbound book that's my plan well
5: good luck with that all right but right now i need to play some music here's a band that played on on my show in like 1986 ish uh the fallouts um, this song of theirs is from the 1989 compilation release, Here Ain't the Sonics, and it's titled I'm Going Home. You see, I, I got around the limit of how many songs by the Sonics I can play on my show that was laid down by, executive, by my executive producer, because this is a cover of one of their songs. All right, you're welcome. <laughs>
2: Spud Goodman Radio Show.
8: Hi, this is Rob Schneider. You can do it. You're listening to Spud Goodman, because obviously you're lacking a little bit of taste.
6: Uh, Say, Spud, uh, listen, your first guest, Mark Marin, is on the line holding. Okay, let's do this. Well, you know, you usually don't get excited interviewing big celebrities. Why do you seem a little nervous now? I don't really know. Maybe because I really dig the stuff he does, I, mm-hmm. I
5: can't, you know, honestly say that about every single one of my guests. I mean, as I listen to, you know, WTF, I, I watch his IFC show. Right. I, I like his stand up, so you know, it adds a little bit more pressure here.
6: Well, if it'll make you feel more comfortable, I'm pretty sure he'll forget everything about you and this interview as soon as he hangs up.
5: Really? All right then. Let's put him through. Okay. Please welcome writer, comedian, actor, producer, director, podcast host, former talk radio host, and yes, composer, Mark Maron. Uh, welcome to the show.
9: Thanks, buddy. I, you, you threw composer on there. Wait, I, I, I appreciate that. Do you have evidence that I'm a composer?
5: I do. Uh, James Lipton has had a major impact on my career. I do my research, and uh, Caesar Salad, film short, 1990, yes, no, what, Maybe.
9: Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I got a credit as a composer on Louis' first movie because I did, that's right, yes, I I did uh, did some music for that that film. Yes, sir.
5: Absolutely. All right. Well, you know, that might be, though, the longest intro in my 20-some year career because you, sir, are a true Renaissance man, though I have no clue what that really means. It sounds kind of accurate with you.
9: Sure. I think uh, it just means I do a lot of things. Uh, hopefully, I do most of them well. Oh. I, I, I would not say that I, I am a, a, a uh, experienced composer, but uh, the other stuff I can I can vouch for myself. Uh, you yeah. know, comedy, podcasting, writing. Yeah, I I, I can I can uh, accept that. I think a renaissance man just is someone who does a lot of things. Yeah, as opposed to a, a jack of all trades, a master of none. A renaissance man is someone who masters uh, the things that he does.
5: Yeah, it's well stated. Uh, all right, uh, but you do plead, plead guilty to most of that. So let's do, let's get into this. The new season of your excellent show, *Marin* on IFC, is about to start. Season three on May fourteenth at ten p.m. I've seen the first two seasons, and I must say, you're a bit brutal on yourself, which, of course, we all enjoy.
9: Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, that's just uh, that—that's what goes on inside of me. The first two seasons, I, I love, and this new season is amazing. Uh, you know, we really sort of nailed. A lot of great stories, a lot of great comedy. There's a lot of, you know, everybody was a little more comfortable with the process. Uh, uh, it, it was fun. It was a, it was a little easier, and you know, and I think people are going to be sort of uh, surprised and excited by, you know, by what happens
10: this season.
5: Super. Um. Well, Mark, when you perform stand-up, uh, your audience doesn't exactly get an airbrushed version of your life. You pretty much lay it all out there. Do, do you often hear a voice in your head on stage at the end of an hour saying, "Our time is up," and asking if you want to schedule your next appointment for the same time the following week?
9: No, I don't. I don't really buy that you don't? analogy. Right. I don't really see. No, I, I, I just don't. I don't see comedy as therapy. I mean, you know what I do up there. Uh, in terms of, you know, by the time people are going to see it, and by the time people are in Seattle are going to see it, are mm-hmm. you know are things that I've I've, I've com- created and and worked through, and mm-hmm. uh, I know where the laughs are. You know, I'm a stand-up comic. I, I just don't like, in general, the idea that comedians are just using audiences for therapy. The, the truth of the matter is, it's a collective experience, right. and the people that are coming to see me ex- expect a certain thing, and maybe it's therapy for them as well. I just I, I think that 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 idea that that comics are just you know these kind of you know complaining you know whining entities that are just dragging an audience to their problems is uh is short-sighted but i appreciate what you're saying
5: oh, no well i guess i was transferring my own personal perspective um well you're a well-known cat lover so my question is this could you coexist well with a dog lover like myself like if we were neighbors and could we find common ground or would it be like a is she a Shia-Suni deal
9: <laughs> it certainly wouldn't be that bad okay uh <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. they not gonna come over and behead you because of your dog. Good or to behead know. Your dog. All right. Um, the, uh, the 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 uh, no. I you know I grew up with dogs. I was mean, you know I was surrounded by dogs most of my life. My neighbor has dogs. Uh, the one on, on the uh, the one side of me and the other guy's had a cat. I, I got no beef with dogs. I mean, even on the podcast, sometimes you can hear his dog. He, makes an appearance sometimes.
5: Right. Well, I feel I could overcome my entrenched belief system and learn to love cats, you know, under the right circumstances, like if you threw some decent barbecues or something. So, I mean, I'm open to it, so I just want to throw that out. But,
9: all right. Um, so... Well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I mean, cats are not going to... They're not that demanding, so... Good point. Yeah, you know, they, they don't have the same expectations. Good point. I think point. that's where people have a hard time with cats is they don't really care uh, whether you care about them or not.
5: Um... Yeah, not like uh, relationships with uh, actual people. That's a that's, Yeah, there's a lot to say for cats, actually, now that you put it that way. Um, well, you've charted a course only a few human beings have been able to successfully navigate with your uh, WTF podcast. I, I told Adam Carolla when he was on, he was like the 21st century William Randolph Hearst with his empire, with a caveat that maybe he had a few more friends than Hearst. But I guess with your success, it'd make you like a web-based version of Elvis. How many listeners do you have each week on your podcast?
9: I don't know, I think it's up around you know three hundred four hundred thousand per episode my god uh, yeah I, I don't uh, I, I, I think that um if, <laughs> you know we, we're all just sort of you know kind of you know finding our way in a new medium and, and it's very exciting that that uh, you know we can do this on our own terms it's, it, it's one of the yeah I never thought that that I would you know have my own business or or, or that things would really work out necessarily but um uh but you know they have and and the podcast is uh, is, a, is a real uh it's a, it's amazing it's a very short walk to work and i just go out into my garage so you, you know what could be bad about that
5: absolutely well so the majority of your podcasts are actually are recorded in your garage do you still keep like old newspapers camping gear and assorted costco crap like most of us do is it more like abbey road right now have you remodeled it or what
9: no, it's not really remodeled. It's always been sort of, I put a floor in it years ago before the podcast, and it's just really like where all my stuff is. You know, all my books and all my, uh, my, my stuff um, is all in here. Uh, so, so, like, my entire life, all my pictures, it's it, it sort of like becomes this kind of weird museum, a very cluttered museum of me.
5: Are you a bit of a hoarder, or do you, uh, do you uh, get rid of stuff on a regular basis just to keep space? Uh, I don't know if I'm
9: a hoarder. I mean, you know, I do question why I'm holding on to something. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah. Um, anything in particular yeah, that maybe like nobody sometimes. else would get?
9: Well, just there's a lot of books that I have that I'm, like, wondering why I'm so invested in it. You know, there's a lot of bits of, 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 you know, hats and stuff like that where I'm like, why am I keeping that? You know, you're just getting used to things. Right, right. You know what I mean?
5: I can't throw anything away, so I was just I was just curious, but I don't I don't uh, record in my garage, which would be really I, I just love the concept, so but I guess space would be my only issue. It wouldn't probably work in my life, but because I can't throw anything away, but, um,
6: well. Sp- I'd have to side with Mark on the cat-dog issue you asked about. I-, I know the wife and I love our two cats, Marcy and Jasper. They meet me at the door when I come home at night. Look, look and that's I-
5: nice, but I don't remember asking for your input. Please don't interrupt me right now. I need to finish
6: up this interview as I think I'm kind of getting on Mark's nerves here. And that's the last thing I want. I-, I know you're a big fan of his. It's possible you might be mistaken. Most of the big stars you've had on this program seem to tolerate you. Except for maybe Donald Trump. You know, he seemed like you had cooties or something. Yeah, I know. Well, I wish I could start
5: this whole thing over again, but it's too late now. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong here. It's possible he actually sort of likes me. You can hope. Okay, just keep it quiet and let me do my job here. Um... Mark, what's been your most memorable moment away from showbiz? Cliche, yes, but you know, with you, people would be interested in knowing if you, on the side, maybe had a, 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 another life as a part-time private eye or do something interesting. Is, is there anything else you do besides? I mean, you're working twenty-four-seven every day of the week. So I'm just curious—is any other interests?
9: Um, I uh, yeah, man. I you know, I love to play guitar, and you know, occasionally I get an opportunity to play with some guys, you know, out uh, at at a, at a bar. Uh, you know, for a show that Brendan Small does. And, you know, I I really like to do that. I'd like to do more of that.
5: Okay. Mark, um, he also has an awesome book that is still available at all bookstores, Attempting Normal and, of course, Season 3 of Marin, which is now, as I stated, starting up on May 14th at 10 p.m. All right, man, uh, we'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to visit with us.
9: Thanks a lot, man. Good talking to you. All
5: right, Mr. Mark Marin. For a
3: genuine musical treat, tune in to the Inspired Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty.
5: All right, musical guest interview time. Please say hello to our musical guest, the West. Hey, guys, I don't have a program, so could, could you guys, like, please identify yourselves and your instrument of choice? Yeah, my name's Anthony. I play the keyboard.
11: I'm Adrian. I play keyboards and sing
1: backup vocals.
8: I'm John. I play the bass and sing backup I'm Reed. I play guitar.
12: And I'm Bob, I play drums. Hey, Bob.
5: All right, super. Uh, who's the birthday boy, by the way? That's our bass player, John. All right. Have a safe insane sane one, all right? <laughs> at least when you get out of here, at least. All right, um, so you guys started in 2011, and you've toured uh, quite a bit. Uh, you did South by Southwest last month, in addition to other stops along the way. How tough was it for you guys to find a motel room uh, within 50 miles of Austin?
12: We we actually stayed with one of Adrian's ex coworkers. We didn't even try to look for a motel.
5: <laughs> yeah, it was yeah the, yeah very difficult. Um, which band member gets the crankiest when they get hungry on the road? That's my weak spot as a car traveler. I must have adequate snack foods at all times. Funyuns are a must. Uh, that's our guitar player Reed.
11: Yeah, it's really funny.
5: Yeah, how cranky does he?
11: Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is that he just gets angry about driving and about where we are. It doesn't matter if you're in San Francisco or Temple, Texas, everywhere is terrible and no one should live there. So it's just, why? Why would anyone live here? God.
5: My kind of guy. Super. Well, maybe I should. Hey, can we exchange numbers after we're done here? Um, Is is there anybody in the band that gets like homesick after a few hundred miles or so and wants to turn around the van and go back home again? Because, again, that's something that's kind of what I can relate to that.
12: Um, I think that might be me. I really like to take showers, and on the tour, you don't get the opportunity to take a shower ever, (laughs) maybe every three days. So you get a little smelly, and that's the one thing I miss about my house.
5: I see. All right. Oh, enough about my own deal, because this is about you. So, hey, what are the long-term goals of the West? Where do you guys see yourselves in the next 24 to 36 months? It won't be playing on Letterman. that's very sad to say. I'm very, very bummed. But maybe on Colbert's show. Or what do you guys want to do down the road? Uh, we're going to put out another EP.
12: Um, we hope to start opening for a few more national acts as one of our goals. Mm-hmm. Um, plan a few festivals in the coming year and booking some local Seattle shows. Super. All right. What's the name of the first song you're going to do? Uh, this one's called Never the Place.
5: All right. (laughs)
13: Goodman Goodman Show. <laughs> this is the Spud Goodman Show.
2: The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. Now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show.
6: Oh, uh, Spud, your mom is holding. You want to take this, right? Uh, Like I have any choice?
5: You know, our illustrious executive producer said she has some listener research that says my mom is the most popular part of this program. Really? Yes, it's depressing to hear that. If I could use the current number two go-to cliche out there...
6: It is what it is. Uh, all right, so uh, you put her through?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mom, you there? Dad, I've been thinking about this book deal you have
13: now. It is concerning me. Just what are you going to reveal in it? I certainly hope you won't go into detail about me and your father's experimental stage, if you will. That would not be appropriate.
5: All right, you know, I sort of forgot about that, Mom. Um... You know, Sophia and I uh, really only knew things were kind of weird around the house. You know, on some weekends, but we couldn't. You know, I don't, we couldn't figure it out. We we never really saw much go down in the house. It was mostly just unattractive people waking up.
13: Well, it was the early '70s, and people were open to a lot of different things. Your father and I did our best to keep it from you and your
5: sister. Well, all I actually remember clearly was a lot of semi-naked people crashed on the couches on like mostly Sunday mornings. Huh. Actually, mostly overweight guys with gross mustaches. Hey, where, where were the women, by the way? I was always going to ask you that.
13: Well, I'm not going to into, go into detail about that, okay? I think it's great. You got this book deal, bro. Well, you I, deserve yeah, it.
5: I got the book okay. deal. Yeah.
13: Maybe you will get booked on Jay Leno's show to promote
5: it. Mom, Jay Leno isn't on the air anymore. Oh, that's sad. Did he die? Well, not that I know of. I guess I could Google it. Um, hey, can, can I come over this weekend and pick up what we talked about a couple days ago? Oh, that. Well,
13: I will need to get a ride to the bank. You know, I don't like to use the bus with a lot of money in
5: my purse. Well, it's no problem. I can drive you to the bank.
6: Uh, Mrs. Goodman, it sounds like you have lived a rich life. Uh, Have you ever given any thought to writing your own autobiography? It sounds like you have a treasure trove of interesting stories. Is that that carpet
13: salesman again? Yeah. You know I don't ask for him. Well, well,
6: that's him. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I am employed at South Seattle Carpet Linoleum. So, you know, if you ever do need flooring for your house, I'd be glad to help you. We, Look, we... Really?
5: Really? Come uh. on. Hey, so, Mom, I'm going to call you about going to the bank, but i got to get going here right now. Oh, do you want me to bake you another batch of my doodles? No, Mom, I, I think I have... Uh... Plenty left from the triple batch you just gave me uh, like it was the last week.
6: (laughs) I love snickerdoodles, Mrs. Goodman.
5: Love you, honey. Toodles.
6: Yeah, bye, Mom. Love you, too. (laughs) All right. Uh, you know, Spud, <laughs> I, I was thinking during the band segment, what guests are you going to write about in your book? I, I mean, you've interviewed hundreds of major celebrities over some 20 years on cable TV and, and now on yes, the radio. Are true. you going to tell all or did they advise you to be careful when writing about famous people because they have an army of attorneys ready to attack on you know, command? You
5: they haven't said anything about what I can or can't say. It's up to me. Of course, I'm going to write about some of my guests over the years. I'm a talk oh, yeah. show host and yeah. I interview people what I'm going. To write a cookbook. Ask, I ask, you know, famous people stuff. Yeah. It's not a complicated job. And yeah, I do have a list of some guests who I think will be in the book for sure. Seriously.
7: Uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote his autobiography in 1791. Two members of the Monkees, Davy Jones and Mickey Dolenz, published their autobiographies in 1986 and 1993. I, I have some decent stuff to reveal, but you know, I don't know.
6: Uh, l- listen, I gotta warn you to be careful here on what you reveal on air. You don't want to give up something juicy that they can use to promote the book. Save it.
5: R- right? Yeah. You know. You know. I never did plan on ever telling most of the things that happened with certain guests,
6: but I guess with this book, it's now or never. There well, are all kinds of perversions. You know, I would be willing to read your first rough draft of the manuscript and give you some feedback now, if wh- you want. Why to. would
5: I reveal those sordid tales to you? The guy with the biggest mouth around. No
6: way you could keep a secret. That would be totally stupid. Look, I understand in the past I've been a little lax with keeping some things confidential. A little. But I swear, if you let me read through the rough draft, I'll never utter a word to Uh, anyone. Oh,
5: including your wife, who seems to document every aspect of her and your Uh, family's life on Facebook? Uh, I'm surprised I didn't read on her page today that you had a little indigestion last night or forgot to let the dog out so his accident was all your fault. Stuff like that 24-7 can wear out a Facebook friend.
6: Yeah, I, I know Rachel does like to share our lives online. Yeah, yeah. I, I must say, it's been getting worse. Last Saturday, she wanted to post a pic of our youngest finger pr- painting of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. I'll tell you, he turns out maybe 10 or 15 of them a day. And between you and me, the kid's horrible in art, but my wife thinks he's got potential. Yeah, so, uh...
5: <laughs> yeah I was going to say something about all those finger painting posts. Right. I, I thought about unfriending her, but I still don't get Facebook and, and know if people can, for, you
6: know, for sure if they can find out when someone unfriends them.
5: You know, I don't want her to, uh, like,
6: unleash a jihad against me online. No, 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 I hear you. Uh, You know, my Facebook page is filled with Rachel's posts only. I have, like, 17 friends. Uh, She has to approve the friend requests I get and her criteria for acceptance. It's pretty darn tough, especially if it's for a woman under age 65. So she thinks older women over 65 are safe? Boy, is she off on that one. They are the most aggressive chicks out there. Well, I was thinking that too because 15 out of my 17 Facebook friends are widows, mostly in their 70s. Right? And for some reason, Rachel doesn't read the messages I get. I guess she thinks these women are harmless, but I could tell you there are... Yeah, thi- okay. Can we change the
5: subject here and get back to talking about me oh, and my book? Your book, yeah. I right. was told that every mention of it on
6: the air is worth like thousands of dollars in free advertising.
7: William Shatner has... Written seven books based on his life's experiences.
6: Well, that makes sense. Uh, Do you have a working title, Spud? I have a few, but nothing I'm really ready to make public Uh, uh, on. Spud, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm being told that our next guest is on the line, and yeah, he is. Tom Arnold is holding. He's on the phone right now. Very cool. I'm really glad we got him to come on the show as he's really an interesting guy you know I've always been a fan of Tom's I know when he was married to Roseanne I I felt his pain you know but being married to a strong woman is not an easy life well at least you have a wife currently yeah I'm finding the older I get the less
5: women my age are willing to make me the center of their existence they become like more I don't
6: I don't know more confident and, like, at peace? Yeah. It sure was a lot easier to be worshipped by a woman in my 20s. Well, say but did I also mention how much I love my wife, by the way? Uh, she just texted me to say she is enjoying the Yeah, okay, show you love tonight. your wife. That's I, now I entered you, into honey. the public record.
5: All right, just put him through. Roger that. Please say hello to actor and comedian Tom Arnold. We appreciate you calling in tonight, Tom.
14: Buddy. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening, man?
5: A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So well, let me let me let me say this. In between films, you are out on the road doing some stand-up dates. Uh,
14: you know, it's fun. I get to kind of pick and choose what comedy places I go to. I'm lucky uh, right. so far. Right. So it'll be fun.
5: Super. Well, you know I want to start this off by saying you belong in the talk show guest hall of fame in my opinion. You always say what's on your mind and having been in this business for more than a few years, that's not always the norm because you know, a lot of guests need like softball served right down the middle, but you Tom Arnold are fearless. So I think you deserve some kind of honor. It's good talk show hosts are a national treasure.
10: Well,
14: that's very kind of you. You know, uh, uh, one of my heroes, David Letterman, is retiring, and yes. you know, I kind of I did an interview. Had me uh, talk to a couple people about what that meant to me. And early on, I realized in the '80s when I started going on shows, you know, if there's jokes to be made about me or about my life or comments. I want to be the ones making them, and so I, I think I felt like you know part of my comedy is being honest. And you know, a lot of great comics have great. Uh, Seinfeld, he does you know topical stuff, but I feel like. You know, once you start being honest about your life, the good, the bad, the whatever, you know, you kind of, you know, they're...
5: Right. Well, you know, you've led a fascinating life, to say the least, to this point. You wrote about it in your uh, autobiography in 2003, titled How I Lost Five Pounds in Six Years, but you must have a lot more chapters now sitting there on the hard drive in your brain since back then.
14: Well, I do. Uh, Number one, I'm married to a different woman, and I had a child since then. Uh, That book was always, you know, I thought, well, what would I say to my future child you know because I was in the process of trying to make that happen and and uh, you know sort of wrote that book like that and then two years ago uh, I finally had my my first child and so blessed and happy and and uh, things are different and so you know I probably will write another book and and uh, you know uh, hopefully people will read it but it was I have to say writing a book was was great because you just got to kind of do it and you know everybody talks about writing a book but there's a point where you have to sit down and write the book, and so it also helped me because I was getting back into doing stand-up, and it helped me sort of formulate stuff, and you know, it's about formulating your stories, and it was great. It was a great experience.
5: Well, you know, I myself am contemplating writing an autobiography about my life because I had an offer from a publisher, but the work is, you know what, I'm not really into work because I kind of get distracted easy with like sports center or Internet porn, so how, how hard was it?
14: Well... You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't distracted by internet porn then. They do have that free porn thing now that I'm paying more attention to. <laughs> you know, there, there's a thing called, if you, if you Google free porn, it, this thing comes up. And whatever, I know it's disgusting, I'm 56 years old. But, you know, sports hey. is always, I mean, I'm a huge, huge sports fan. I am, you know, that is my drug of choice, sports. You know, that is, I enjoy it. I, it takes me out of my... My head—it's uh, you know—I root for, for people that are better, greater than me, and I think it's you know something I want to teach my son is, you know, in life it's a lot better if you find reasons to root for people instead of against them, and so you know we have our teams, and my my son is uh, for a kid that's uh, two years old—he's very athletic, and we play a lot, and cool. I need to I need to continue that as long as I can because I'm 56 years old.
5: Uh, You're in your prime. Don't even worry about it. Yeah,
14: yes, Um, yes.
5: Well, Tom, you've been quite active in helping many in the recovery process from substance abuse over the years. But at times, you've risked your own safety because you've been in some hairy situations, Correct.
14: Well, you know, the one thing I know for sure that always makes me feel good about myself, it's very selfish, but, you know, being of service to other people, I think when you're, uh, you know, we all have that opportunity, no matter what. Sometimes when you are well-known or whatever, you get different opportunities. But, you know, my the thing that has kept me alive is, Reaching out to other people who are, you know, and what if you're an addict in recovery or an alcoholic or whatever your situation is, you know, you, you seem to have a little more compassion for, you know, you can't be judgmental. Let's put it that way. Right. I can't judge other people. And, you know, a lot of times people, especially with the young people that I work with, their parents are so freaked out because they don't understand how this kid can think oh i want to do drugs or i want to that doesn't make sense to the parent how that's hard to just stop that and but it makes sense to me and and uh unless you're one of us you don't quite understand it but you know yes i've done some uh interventions uh, that are <laughs> very hairy and uh, you know, the thing about an intervention is there's a healthy way to do it there's a professional way to do it and then if, if, if people reject that there have been times where I've broken into people's houses and drugged them to rehab and I will say this, I know it's against the law, I know it's not part of the 12 step thing but they have always lived <laughs> they, 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 you know and it's always been people that were on death's door and their families are devastated and I say give me the key to their house, give me the clicker, nobody can go with me, it's going to be fast if Furious. I take my little bat, it's, uh, you know, they're always surprised, and they always go to rehab. Now, I'm not saying it works forever, but this weekend, whenever I show up or whatever day, they are not going to die. <laughs> that's for sure. And so, you know, that's a, a little thing that I do, and it also reminds me of who I am and what I am capable of. I'm, You know, it could easily be me in there. And, you know, that's why the great thing about being of service, we all do it, and it just kind of takes us out of our own crazy head, and, and uh, let's just be compassionate
5: yeah but not a whole lot of people in your position in life uh, are willing to take that kind of risk I just uh, you know I wanted to throw that out there. i know you don't really like, try to publicize it but I, yeah, from right. what I've heard it's yeah that is an as another book on you know itself so anyway um
14: yeah well maybe I'll do it maybe i'll maybe I'll, i'm working on a show about a guy that does that and uh maybe next year you'll see that
5: show Hey, Spud.
6: Tom Arnold is always such a great guest on talk shows. He's so frank about... Look,
5: can this wait until after I'm done here? I am just starting to get a rhythm going in this interview,
6: and you feel the need to jump in now? Well, I know, but you know how tough it is for me to just sit here and say nothing. I get excited with some guests. Are you sure it wouldn't be okay for me to ask Tom a real
5: quick? No, I'm I'm sure. Well, you know, you and I both have had some difficulty with marriage in the past, so what's the one tip that you could give our male listeners out there that would prevent them from also going through hell?
14: Ah, uh, jeez! Listen, you know what? When you get ba- you're going to go through hell.
5: You know, you spoke about your career, and I got to ask you this: You've done a number of major mainstream films, but I have also really enjoyed you in some of the smaller independent dramas like Gardens of the Night, April Showers, and Good Dick. You're not afraid to take on roles that some other comedic actors might shy away from, and you got a new independent film that's out like right now, titled Any Day. Are you are you happy with the film?
14: Well, I mean, I, I got it was an opportunity to work with a guy named Sean Bean, who's a British actor. Who's, I think, he was on Game of Thrones the first year, and he's been a right. bad guy in a bomb. I mean, I, I just like his, you know, sometimes like a, with British actors like Steve Coogan, I got to work with him. I think he's a genius. Yes. I, obviously I I worked with Hugh Grant. I, you know, that I, I go into something. I say, what can I learn from this? I like the character I play in this, and. It, I like the and I like the story, and Eva Longoria is great, and, and Kate Walsh. But both but I wanted to say, what can I learn from working with this guy that might make me a little better?
5: Well, you must never sleep because you also have a new series out on Yahoo, Sin City Saints. About I do. A pro basketball do. team in Vegas. Like it's available. What now? It's up on Yahoo Screen right now. All eight episodes.
14: Right, I did not sleep when we were filming that because we filmed it in Vegas and we lived at the Caesars Palace and we filmed it at the Orleans and it was a lot It was a lot of Vegas for two months. It was 24-7. It, Malin Ackerman is great. She plays the, the person from the league that comes in to, to get things organized. A guy named Andrew Santino, who's so funny, I wasn't really familiar with him. He's really the star of the show. He's a young comic uh, and he's a he plays a guy that's a billionaire that, 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 from the tech world that decides he wants to buy a professional basketball. Team, which is what I would do, but he's, he's not the kind of guy that wants to play on the team with the guys, he's the guy that, kind of guy that wants to be the mascot, and, you know, it's a lot of fun, we work with a lot of great people, you know, even though it's on Yahoo, I thought, oh, they're good. this will be easy to shoot because we won't need so many cameras, but, you know, we shot it, to Brian Gordon directed it, who did Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it oh. shot it just like a regular show, and Super. it was like, it looks really good, so check it out, and it's free. Wow. That's what I keep telling people. I'm it's checking it out check this it
5: weekend because I'm a major Hoop fan. Thank I'm you. I'm on that. Um, you did two episodes of Sons of Anarchy. So are you the real deal biker? Do you ride much with Arnold still or at all? Or?
14: I, I did uh, four episodes, I four. think. I, it was yeah. over two years. Okay. Uh, yeah, we ride bikes. We... Uh, i always have road ridden motorcycles we ride uh uh when we can down pch out here and uh it's a lot of fun i love being i love riding motorcycles with with arnold or whoever because you know it's a time when you really have to hyper focus on what you're doing and you can't really think about other stuff and you got the wind hitting you and it's uh it's something I uh, it takes me out of my head again anything that takes me out of my head is good and, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So, uh, that yeah, Arnold, I like it.
5: Arnold kind of strikes me as the kind of guy who would, like, peel out and leave you in the dust. I bet he has, like, a state-of-the-art Harley with nitro fuel injection or something where you could do, like, 250 or something.
14: Well, he does have a bunch of incredibly nice weird stuff yeah. but but, and he will leave you if, if you go if you break his schedule you know he's on schedule he'll leave you his plane will take off and leave you I've, I've learned
5: that lesson but yeah you know, he's a great guy we really really appreciate you checking in with us thank you I really appreciate it and thank you very much buddy the one and the only Mr. Tom Arnold
14: thank you Spud you guys thinking about getting a tattoo on your girlfriend's face do not do that I had Roseanne's face all the way here. You are not going to get laid with Roseanne's face. It doesn't get dark enough. Those tattoos, you got to be careful. You remember Tiananmen Square? I'm like, Gil, I want a tattoo, the Chinese symbol for love of mankind. And I want it on my leg to display in honor of those kids. Yeah, I thought that. And then about four years ago, I did a movie with Jet Li and he starts laughing. I was like, why are you laughing? He's like, man love. I keep that to remind myself that I'm an asshole. This
13: is a spy Goodman
0: Show. We sure got the surprise of
5: our lives. Once again, the West.
0: All in f-
13: Is hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and if you're listening to the Spud Show, anyway, I
4: think you're not, you're a communist, uh, I'm not even listening to the Spud Show, what the hell am I talking about?
6: Hey, uh, uh, Spud, our last guest, Ted Marr, is holding. Now, this is the psychic paranormal guy who's going to be doing a regular segment on the show, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw an article in the paper about him and thought he'd be be an interesting guy to have on the
5: show. Uh, I guess we're about to find out, huh? Yeah. Uh, Oh, and before we do, I'm supposed to say that the listeners can find Ted at uh, outofthisworld.com, his website, and he can also be heard on his radio show on KKNW 1150 AM Fridays, 2 to 4 PM on the West Coast. Put him on. Let's do this. Okay. All right, we have a new segment on The Spud Goodman Show, Out of This World with Mr. Ted Marr, a psychic and expert on the paranormal. Are you there, Ted?
4: Yes, hi, I'm here. Yes,
5: I sure am. Super. Now, you're going to be calling in from time to time to answer things that that make my brain cramp up, stuff that I cannot explain and need some assistance with. Tonight. I wanted to know why psychics are are real. Why do they let things happen in life without warning others in advance? Like last year's Super Bowl, couldn't you have texted Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel to the, you know, and just let them know that to give the damn ball to Marshawn Lynch as that pass was going to be intercepted?
4: <laughs> well, I have to tell you that that from from this from the spirit world perspective, we're all here uh but as, as a school. This is kind of like an earth school, mm-hmm. and we're here to learn certain lessons. Okay. And those players, I think, probably were meant to learn those lessons. I know it's a tough lesson, and sometimes this, the, the earth school here can be tough, but um, if you warn people ahead of time, they won't learn. They won't learn from their mistakes, and they won't um, spiritually advance. So I know it's a hard thing to say, but sometimes people are meant to learn, learn, learn those kinds of lessons.
5: That's kind of what a parent says. You know, well,
4: all right. <laughs> That's
5: so, so you don't have. OK, so you can't take advantage of that edge. Like let's say if you laid some money down in Vegas on the Hawks and the, and then, you know, it's kind of winding down in that fourth quarter. You just couldn't jump right in and maybe in, in text uh, Pete and let him know that not a good call. OK, all right, fine. We, we got that set. <laughs> all right. So well, uh, go ahead.
4: Go ahead. Per- personally, but I have asked the spirits for the winning lottery numbers um, as a joke on the other side. And they've all laughed at me. <laughs> all right. All right. Although, although once they did help me earn some money, good money. I was walking past a um a little slot machine, um uh, at, at a casino, and they and I got the message to put twenty five cents in, and I did, and I got seventy five dollars back. So that was that was kind of nice.
6: Super. Well. Spent. Too bad you didn't know, Ted, a few years back, as you could have had him check out a couple of the women you ended up marrying. You know, it would have saved you a lot of money.
5: You don't think I've already thought of that?
6: But I'm really getting into this interview,
5: so please don't interrupt me, okay? Okay, got it. You speak to people on the other side. i got to get this out. Uh, Like the dead, is it a one-way conversation?
4: Excuse me, they're all saying they're not really dead. Um, You basically change... You, you change um, you change dimensions um, you change a form if anything but your when you go when when you pass on but your your soul is still there your spirit's still there your personality's intact everything's intact And the physicality of the uh, fifth dimension is just as real as things are here in the third. We are in the third dimension here, Spud. Fourth dimension is time, and the fifth dimension is where the spirits, fifth and higher dimensions, are where the the, uh, spirits reside. So they're not really dead, dead. Um, Your grandparents, for example, um, or long lost relatives or friends who passed on. Notice the term "passed on." It's not. Speak of the people who, who who are dead as passed on. In other words, the language itself implies that they're not really dead, dead, but wow. that they've simply changed form.
5: Wow. Oh, I think that's super. Mm-hmm. I think I can use super. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask, and I don't have that much time this week. So I was, I was wondering, would you be well, willing to call in again? And uh, I want to do this, like, as much as we can, because I, I need to know this kind of stuff.
4: Well, I'd be happy to, and I have also friends, spirits on the other side, who would love to, to give you some messages, including um, Professor Albert Einstein, ooh, uh, President ooh, ooh, John, yeah. John F. Kennedy, Super. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy, J. Uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and most recently Michel de Nostradamus, although I don't like to bother him too much. He's a busy guy riding his quatrains, ooh, and ooh. Um, I, I only like to, to, to contact him when there's something important.
5: Oh well, t- hey, uh, I-, I just wrote all those names down, and I'm gonna hit you up on some of those. W- uh, so we're gonna do this again. So I want, I-, I want, I want you to call in for sure, like next in the next week or two because uh, I-, I just need to know this stuff. Also, I was wondering if maybe you could contact my late father Sparky and ask why he cut me out of his will. All right. So there you have it, Mr. Ted Mar and his out of this world segment for this show. We're gonna do this again. You take care.
4: Okay, thank you, Spud. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>
15: This is
5: a Spud
1: Goodman Show. That should be fun. I think I'll try that.
5: You know, I guess I'd better start at least working on a title, you know, now for my book. I don't yeah. want to go the lame route and call it The Life and Times of Spud Goodman.
7: The Autobiography of Abolitionist Frederick Douglass, titled The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, was published in 1881.
5: You know, no, I I need something snappier that conveys the essence of my life and my work as a talk show
6: host. Yeah, and and don't forget the cover of the book. Your publishing company may have their own suggestions, but I vote you use a photo from, oh, maybe 15 years ago. You had decent hair back then, and you didn't always have to wear that baseball cap. My
5: hair's a little weak now, but it's not horrible, totally horrible. I, I don't have to wear baseball hats all the time. Sometimes I take them off, you know, mostly later when I'm getting ready for bed.
6: Well, Spud what are you going to do with all the money you're going to make on this? I'm afraid you may retire after they give you your big advance. I read Lena Dunham from that HBO show Girls got a $3.7 million advance from her publisher. Really? So listen, if you do have plans to retire, I would be really upset, but after a period of adjustment, I'd be ready to take over the hosting of this radio show. I get it that it would fall on me to assume responsibility if you should decide to retire and move to Arizona or Florida.
7: Inventor, Nicole Tesla wrote his autobiography in 1919. Actor Ernest Borgnine wrote his autobiography in 2009.
6: And, and, and you deserve this. So so don't feel you have to stay on the air for the sake of others. You need to look out for, for what's best for Spud yeah, Goodman.
7: Yeah, as I always do.
5: Don't you worry about me. When it's time to leave this business, I will be gone in the blink of an eye. Yeah. People will be saying, where the
6: hell did he go? He was just here. So, how much money are they offering you? Offering me? I was just curious as to how much your life story is worth on the free market. It's a true test of the value of your time here on the planet. So, how big of an advance did they give you up front? Or are you sure they're going to get the well, book out to the public? Because I've heard of some publishers not liking the manuscripts of their authors and then they kill it. Oh, well, no, it's going to get published for Good. sure because I
5: just paid 30% of the cost to do it today. So, you know, the guy got me to sign on this said that I will, oh. you know, I'll make my money back. Probably the first few weeks, and then it will be an ongoing revenue stream forever. Future Goodmans will continue to receive royalties long after I'm gone. As he said, libraries and bookstores will
6: always have it available, which will keep you know, my legacy alive. But yet you paid them? I I think they call that self-publishing, Spud. My uncle tried it once. He paid for it by getting a second mortgage on his family's house. Now they're living with his wife's parents. Uh, Let's just say. What? It it didn't sell well, and all he got out of it was a bunch of boxes of books that are stacked in his basement. Really? What what he forgot to do was promote it. That's the key move, Spud. Self-publishing is something the guy mentioned when I was writing the check to mm-hmm. him. He kept saying that to make money, you have to spend money. Well, this does kind of put a different spin on it. You're going to have to really? really, really promote this thing. Just talking about it on the air is not going to get it done. You're going to have to make public appearances all over if you want to sell any books these days. You might even have to think about going door to door, at least in your own neighborhood. No. You know, they'll, they'll buy some copies. No, he, from he never you. said anything about going out in the public to push the book. You know, uh-huh. I don't do that kind of stuff. That would be a deal breaker. Well, you did sign a contract and paid them so I don't, don't I don't think you're going to be able to get out of this once money's exchanged it's a done deal well then i guess it's a good thing i paid with a check because i still haven't gotten
5: the money from my mom you know that i'm borrowing to, to cover it oh. uh, i was hoping that it would you know take some big publishing company if a few weeks to you know to cash the damn check guess i guess i can tell my mom i don't need the money now
6: well maybe someday someone will offer you a book deal and not have you have to pay for it
5: well you know This whole thing is just messed up. That's a nice way to put it. I just forget about this. Just, I'm just gonna forget this. It's just way too much work, and there are way too many memories that are probably better left buried in, you know, deep in the recesses of my mind. Yeah. Especially, just stay there. (sighs) All right. Anyway, I'm Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, here is the West.
2: listening to the spud goodman radio show a portentous harbinger of what the internet of things has in store for for us all. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. The executive producer is Laurie Madsen. Video director is T.J. Pites. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist.
7: Author. Charles Dickens Dickens published his autobiography in 1847. Showman P.T. Barnum published his autobiography in 1855. Buffalo Bill Cody published his autobiography in 1917. Noah Coward published his autobiography in 1937. Tony Curtis published his autobiography in 2008. Sigmund Freud published his autobiography in 1925. Stan Lee published his autobiography in 2002. Liberace (laughs)
1: published.
2: an hour of the best of Northwest music. This is an hour of sterling conversation. This is an hour of analysis of the previous hour of the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report.
16: Hello, hello, hello everybody. Welcome to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. My name is Lawrence and I'll be your host for tonight. But of course with me here we've got in the studio is the first original co-host, the host actually, of the Post Show Report, Ivy Quinn everybody. And she's going to be my guest co-host for tonight. Hey Ivy, how you doing tonight? Now, now, you're, now, you took a uh, break or something from uh, from your sabbatical just to come back to do the show, right? You uh-huh. Now, 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 tell me, what's a sabbatical again? Is that like a, uh, where you study to be a nun? Are you like in a 12-step program or something like that? Or?
17: Hey, Lawrence. Uh, first of all, I don't have a problem and I can quit anytime I want. But no, a sabbatical is when you decide you need a break from the demands of your job or whatever you're focusing on. It's more than a vacation. It's a period of renaissance or rebirth as much as anything i'm using the time away from my prior life to just stop and enjoy the things i had no time for previously like crossword puzzles oh in my studies in entomology the truth is I find bugs totally fascinating, and they take up a big part of my day right now.
16: Yeah, I, I had no idea about that. You know, it's a, uh, sabbatical, that sounds kind of nice. It's interesting. I get, uh, I'm, I'm kind of scared of bugs, you know, like especially those big ones and all. Now, now, I know some of my buddies in the joints, they have them as pets and all that, but cool. always, I always freak me out, you know. I think it goes back to when I was like five or six and my older brother just made me eat this live beer. Uh, I remember the Navy kid he was paying him two dollars after I swallowed it and uh, I think Aww. my brother he was always trying to make me, make money off of me doing these games that, that he set up before and if I, you, Well you know if I ever did a sabbatical you know, man, I might learn to be a better ballroom dancer or something like that, you know, because I've been taking lessons for the last couple of months. I think I might want to one day be an instructor.
17: Sure. I mean, the great thing about a sabbatical is there are no rules. You're making the decision to step away from your everyday routine and maybe do something completely different or maybe do nothing at all.
5: Nice. Super.
18: It's your decision. <clears throat> Hello. I'm waiting to be introduced here. Oh. oh! Oh! Yeah! Yeah! My my bad. Here, here, here's Derek. That's it, man. I was the guest host guest host of the show for the last two weeks, and all I get is here's Derek.
16: Well, you know, wow. look, you're not the guest host tonight. Ivy Quinn, she's the guest host, and you're back to doing just the highlights. Uh.
17: Derek was a fill in co host. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes! I didn't know Lori was having such major issues attracting on air talent to work on the show. Super. I mean- um, I get it. It's not a high profile program and being associated with Spud Goodman is not exactly the best career move. But for myself, I always took comfort in the fact that I had a higher purpose in life outside of hosting this
16: little radio show. Well, you know, I'm okay with doing just this little radio show. I mean. It does keep my parole ops off, so off my back because as far as I'm concerned, a job is a job. Oh, oh, how about I be the co-co-host tonight? I could bring something different
18: to the table to balance out you two. I mean, I'm not bragging here, but I did develop quite a following after the last two weeks. Has anyone seen the emails that I got? Wait, you, you got emails from like, like fans and
16: stuff? Wow, that's pretty cool. So, hey, hey, let me read some of those.
18: Uh, yeah, actually, I had to delete them all. Okay. Some uh, of them were super. a little too personal and I was a little self-conscious with the sexual
16: nature of them.
17: Oh, now I have to poke my brain out. Mm,
16: Thanks. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, we, we, you know, I think we better just introduce our panel for the show right now. We've got here Dave. He's on the soundboard for tonight. Hey, Dave. Hello. Hello, Dave. Our engineer, Mike, of course, is with us tonight. Right on. Right on, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we only have our one intern tonight. We got Trent because I had a sick here now. I hey, Trent. Now, Ivy, what now? Yeah, what now here? You know what? Remember to use Super. protection. You got to use protection. Just remember, you college kids, uh, uh, so, you know, uh, you got to be careful. Uh,
17: you know, why, why don't we talk about the music we have for tonight? Um, uh, That's the one part of the Spud Goodman operation that I do miss.
16: Yeah, well, uh, all right. Before we bring the live guest back who's the West, you know, before they come back and do the last song for tonight, we're going to kick it off with a song by a homeboy from Tacoma, Washington, Bing Crosby, and his tune, Pistol Packin' Mama. And and Ivy, why don't you take the other song? Okay,
17: and then we have a band from the UK, The Slaves, and their song, White Knuckle Ride.
3: Lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. Pistol packing mama, lay that pistol down. Oh, drinking beer in a cabaret Was I having fun Until one night she caught me right Now I'm on the run
15: Oh, lay that
1: pistol down, babe Lay that pistol down Pistol packing, mama Lay that pistol down Oh, I see you every night Bing and I woo you every day I'll be your regular mama, and I'll put that gun away.
3: Oh, lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. pistol packing mama, lay the thing down before it goes off and hurts somebody. Oh, she kicked out my windshield, and she hit me over the head. She cussed and cried and said, I'd lied, and she wished that I was dead.
1: Oh, lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down, pistol-packin' mama. Lay that pistol down, with three tough gals. From deep down Texas way, we got no pals. They don't like the way we play. We're a rough-roothing, tooting, shooting trio. But you ought to see my sister Cleo. She's a terror, make no error. But there ain't no lassie fair. Here's what we tell her:
3: I Lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. Pistol back, and mama. Lay that pistol down.
1: corn the revenuers came the draw was slow so now they know you can't do that to Maine. oh lay that pistol down babe lay that pistol down pistol packing, mama
3: lay that pistol down oh singing songs in the cabaret was i having fun Till one night, it didn't seem right, now I'm on the run. Oh, lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down, pistol packin' mama. Lay that pistol
15: down,
1: oh, pistol packin' mama.
8: Famously. So what the fuck happened? You say words that I don't approve of And I've said some terrible sentences I love you more when you're angry with me Cause you're so boring when you're nice I love you more when you're angry Fuck off this rodeo Wherever I go You're just a stone's throw away I'd rather die on my feet Than live on my knees I'd rather die on my feet Than live on my knees I love you more when you're angry with me you're like boring when you're nice I love you more when you're angry with me Cause you're like so boring when you're, when you're nice
16: right, in the studio tonight, we got here with us, The West. Hey, y'all, how you doing tonight? Good, thank you. All right, sounding and looking good. Now, but now there's a bunch of you here. We got five of you in the band, so I figure with the odds, a couple of you must have done sometime. You got any stories for like when you ain't in the inside?
11: Yeah, no, just kidding. They eat little potatoes like me in prison. (laughs) Oh, yeah?
16: Yeah, well, the potatoes, you don't like the potatoes in prison, so you might have been saved. They weren't very good. Okay, (laughs) All right, now, now Super. You, guys have, you guys have a really catchy sound, you know, I got my foot tapping here there, and stuff like that, so now, now, what was the influence, what kind of influences are the, we're on the band musically?
12: Uh, we really like 80s, like, new wave stuff, like, late 70s, post-punk, post-punk music, um, like, New Order, Gang of
16: Four,
12: uh, Yaz, all those kind of bands. Oh,
16: yeah, that's quintessential 80s, yeah, I'm an 80s child, I can dig that, all right. Super! Nice.
17: So do you guys enjoy the recording process? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is it logistically tough to get all five
11: of you there at the same time? It can be. I would say, actually, it's not so much of a problem because this is always our priority. So, you know, if we have to get off work early or take the time away from other things, this is definitely our focus. That's teamwork.
16: Yeah, music first. I like that. Yeah. Uh, um. I like you got your sign I, You think I could get Like a couple of CDs I could send it to my buddies That are still doing time In Pelican Bay You know Now there is a prison radio there But you know It's like a two rot station So But they got a captive audience So you know
12: Yeah we, we, we can hook you up with that
16: Nice Nice And Now now, what's the last Name of the last song You're going to take us out with tonight This one's called You're in Control Alright The West <laughs>
0: Killer, are you a saint?
2: Is the Spud Goodman post show report?
16: Look at uh, Derek over there. He's looking kind of sad or mad or something. Maybe I think we should he's give him a He might be sulking. Maybe we should like let him have a little something. Man,
18: right? was oh, it? Is it my turn again on the mic? Can yeah, I talk now? We're going to give you a turn. We're right so now. excited you need, for you, Derek. Yeah, you we cut out now? a slot for you. Yeah, I can, super. I can see the excitement in your eyes, Ivy. Thanks. So our first highlight of the night, we have Spud talking to Mark Marin about what it's like having a very popular podcast and what's in his garage.
5: Uh, there's a lot to say for cats actually now that you put it that way um well you've charted a course only a few human beings have been able to successfully navigate with your uh, wtf podcast i i told adam carolla when he was on he was like the 21st century william randolph hearst with his empire with a caveat that maybe he had a few more friends than hearst but i guess with your success it'd make you like a web-based version of elvis how many listeners do you have each week on your podcast
9: I don't know. I think it's up around you know three hundred, four hundred thousand per episode.
2: My God. Uh,
9: yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I I think that um, if, <laughs> you know, we we're all just sort of you know, kind of you know finding our way in a new medium, and and it's very exciting that that uh, you know we can do this on our own terms. It's it, it's one of the yeah. I never thought that that I would you know have my own business or 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 that things would really work out necessarily, but um. Uh, but you know, they have, and, and the podcast is, uh, is a, is a real, uh, it's a, it's amazing. It's a very short walk to work. And I just go out into my garage. So, you, you know, what could be bad about that?
5: Absolutely. Well, so the majority of your podcasts are actually are recorded in your garage. Do you still keep like old newspapers, camping gear and assorted Costco crap? Like most of us do. Is it more like Abbey road right now? Have you remodeled it or what?
9: No, it's not really remodeled. It's always been sort of, I put a floor in it years ago before the podcast. And it's just really like where all my stuff is. You know, all my books and all my, uh, my, my stuff um, is all in here. Uh, so, so like my entire life, all my pictures, it's it, it sort of like becomes this kind of weird museum, a very cluttered museum of me.
5: Are you a bit of a hoarder or do you, uh, do you uh, get rid of stuff?
16: You know, when I was inside, I came out and I was like, podcast? What is this podcast? And I'm still not really used to the whole podcast thing. I have just no live radio. I
17: I just admire you for adapting to all these changes. It's tough to transition from inside to outside. So... Look at you. You've like jumped right in and you're on a podcast now.
16: I'm on a podcast? I thought I was just radio. Nobody told me that. Well, I Super. say like cast
17: it later after we go out after on the airwaves. So that technically counts, dude.
16: Wow. You know, I'm going to write a letter to my parole officer and start bragging on that. I'm on a podcast. So we take that sucker.
18: You can like duplicate that too. Like, You can be a radio host and a podcast host.
16: You then I'm going to put gonna, that on your resume. Like, they they, two they, two they need to things. double my pay if I'm doing both radio and podcast. I'm going to make some demands. What do you think?
17: Uh, I'd be happy to negotiate on your behalf.
16: If Are you, you uh,
18: if you need somebody to go into Lori's office with you, I'll go in there. I'll back you up. Uh, I like to. that. As, lo- as, as long as I can co-host again.
17: Well, I was going to suggest uh, that maybe we'd need to let some um, you know unnecessary parties go. To like get you the pay you need and the attention you deserve. Yeah, there's
16: not, there's not room for all of that in the, you know. You can still negotiate on my behalf. Why were you uh, looking at me uh, when you, you said know. that? I don't like that. Uh, I was just kind
17: of looking over by you. I didn't necessarily mean you. Or maybe I did, Derek. Maybe I ought to watch out. I don't know. Yeah,
16: I think we better slide back into some music here. let some cool off here. We're going to lead off with the band that performed the song. Uh, live on Spud's show back in 2014. This is the Pers.
17: They're awesome. It's
16: titled "The Promises We Made." Yeah, and uh, and then also, you know, there's a video there on uh, uh, Spud Goodman's uh, YouTube channel. That it's a replay in segment from that.
17: And, and and then after that, we have a cut from a band that you might have heard of, Nirvana, um, yeah. and and they're they're going to be playing "Love Buzz." One two.
8: Interrupting transmission, I need to get a message out, stop whatever you're doing, cause I don't have much time. I'm born to let each other down I move on to the next one But I've reached the end of the line It's much harder in the summer When people love each other And I feel so out of step with.
2: for more of the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman post show report.
16: I guess we better do some, uh, let Derek do some more of his thing.
18: Yeah, so, um, you know, in an effort to continue my campaign to try and get the uh, co-hosting position for this. Sparkle, Derek. We're, Sparkle. We're, it's your we're big mix, chance. We're mixing it up right now. Tonight we've got something a little different. Rather than banging our heads against the desks because of something stupid in the uh, clip of the week, we decided to introduce a new segment called Out of This World, where Spud asks a psychic important questions like why they can't use their powers for good, like letting Pete Carroll know that the final play they called in Super Bowl Forty Nine would end in an interception.
17: Aww. I didn't know you we were going to get this
13: raw.
5: Yeah. And need some assistance with tonight. I wanted to know why psychics are are real. Why do they let things happen in life without warning others in advance? Like last year's Super Bowl, couldn't you have texted Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel to the you know and just let them know that to give the damn ball to Marshawn Lynch as that pass was going to be intercepted?
4: <laughs> well, I have to tell you that that from from this from the spirit world pr- perspective, we're all here us, uh, but as as a school, this is kind of like an earth school. Mm-hmm. and we're here to learn certain lessons. Okay. And those players, I think, probably were meant to learn those lessons. I know it's a tough lesson, and sometimes this the, the earth school here can be tough, but um, if you warn people ahead of time, they won't learn. They won't learn from their mistakes and they won't um, spiritually advance. So I know it's a hard thing to say, but sometimes people are meant to learn 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 those kinds of lessons.
5: That's kind of what a parent says. You know, <laughs> uh, all right. Right. So, so you don't have. OK, so you can't take advantage of that edge. Like, let if you like. No, why couldn't
18: we have learned like after a couple other Super Bowls?
17: You know what yeah. I learned is is playing goalie in lacrosse. You don't clear up the middle because it's easy to turn the ball over. And when it's that little time left in that crucial a play, you don't do it. You don't do it. Why, Why, Derek? Why'd you pick this?
16: Super, super yeah, that psychic. No, I, I disagree. If I was a psychic, I would have called up and said, you know, don't throw it up the middle. Give it to give it to Marshawn. Let him run that ball. Absolutely. What, what kind of psychic says I'm just going to just sit there and watch this whole thing go into meltdown? Unless now hear me out here.
18: So the Tom Brady thing, the deflate gate thing came back up, right? Right. Yeah. What if not only did they deflate the balls, but they paid this guy not to tell like they had their own psychic. And he knew what was going to happen. And then they paid that guy not to tell Pete Carroll and them what was going to happen.
16: This is like Psychic Gate. Yeah, this is psychic cake. They probably should have got another psychic that knew that the other psychic wasn't going to tell about the, what the one psychic was going uh, okay. to do. The
17: lesson I'm learning from this is if I have kids, I'm going to be like, go ahead, lick the light socket, honey. See what happens, because that's how you learn. That's right.
16: Chase your ball into the street when there's an 18-wheeler coming, because the psychic says, you know, those are lessons.
17: Yeah, teachable yeah. moments. Well,
16: that got us all fired up, didn't it? Well, if I Ooh. learned anything from and Pet
18: Cemetery, you can bring your kid back after
16: that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, I didn't super. know that. All right. Well, you know, on that, let's uh, let's get to some music. We're going to start off with the, the always interesting television on the radio and the song Halfway Home.
17: And then we have something from way back that arrived from the UK, Adam Faith and It's All Right.
10: The lazy way they turn your head into a rest stop for the dead and did it all in gold and blue and gray The efforts to allay your dread in spite of all you knew and said we're hard to see and harder to still to say A come for Our i lay still sent to quell your sin to And keep your trembling scent, your hand at bay. And when a sudden silhouette escaped the top side of your bed, I knew you'd never. Same.
16: think that psychic could have predicted all oh, how worked up we got talking about that, I, that super bowl game
18: you know i really got to apologize i i didn't think it was going to be that bad i'm sorry for picking the super bowl scab
17: and i'm sorry i kicked the mic stand over i'm
18: sorry for yelling at you ivy and trent you can come out of the corner now we're,
16: we're done yelling we're really I, i'm sorry. sorry i threw that pencil and snapped it in half i'm sorry yeah that was a little too much yeah i kind of got it. Ahead. you guys
17: know better than to make me feel feelings
16: yeah feelings are crazy they're crazy super but, you know, why are we lighten the mood a little bit, Dad? Yeah, some light? Let's try
18: and bring it back up here. So our final clip of the night, uh, Spud asked Tom Arnold about some of his experiences in helping addicts get into rehab, and Tom expands on some of his more unorthodox methods of persuading these people to start the rehab process.
5: Uh, you're in your prime. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, just... yes, um, yes. Well, Tom, you've been quite active in helping many in the recovery process from substance right. abuse over the years, but at times you've risked your own safety because you've been in some hairy situations, correct?
14: Well, you know, the one thing I know for sure that always makes me feel good about myself, it's very selfish, but, you know, being of service to other people, I think when you're, uh, you know, we all have that opportunity no matter what. And sometimes when you are well-known or whatever, you get different opportunities. But, you know, my the thing is, has kept me alive is, Reaching out to other people who are, you know, and, one, and if you're an addict in recovery or an alcoholic or whatever your situation is, you know, you, you seem to have a little more compassion for, you know, you can't be judgmental. Let's put it that way. Right. I can't judge other people. And, you know, a lot of times people, especially with the young people that I work with, their parents are so freaked out because they don't understand how this kid can think, oh, I want to do drugs or I want to. That doesn't make sense to the parent, how that's hard to just stop that. And But it makes sense to me. And and uh, unless you're one of us, you don't quite understand it. But, you know, yes, I've done some uh, interventions uh, that are <laughs> very hairy. And, uh, you know, the thing about interventions is there's a healthy way to do it. There's a professional way to do it. And then if, if, if people reject that, there have been times where I've broken into people's houses and drugged them to rehab. And I will say this. I know it's against the law. I know it's not part of the 12-step thing. But they have always lived. They, 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 you know, it's always been people that were on death's door. And their families are devastated. And I say, give me the key to their house. Give me the clicker. Nobody can go with me. It's going to be fast and furious. I take my little bat. It's uh, You know, they're always surprised. And they always go to rehab. Now, I'm not saying it works forever. But this weekend, whenever I show up or whatever day they are not going to die <laughs> that's for sure and so you know that's a a little thing that i do and it also reminds me of who i am and what i am capable of i've you know it could easily be me in there and you know that's why the great thing about being of service we all do it and it just kind of takes us out of our own crazy head and, and uh, lets
5: us be compassionate yeah but not a whole lot of people in your position in life uh, are willing to take
16: you know <laughs> maybe they need to do like a surprise party Kind of intervention because he was saying you want the element of surprise, wasn't that what He was saying
17: you're gonna jump out of a cake.
16: Yeah, we could do that. We jump out of a cake, you know, and you know with a with a restraint like a straitjacket or something like that. Super.
17: I just thought it was a little counterintuitive that okay, it's like this guy has a problem with drugs. I'm gonna drug him, then take him to rehab. So it's cool this one time because
16: I'm gonna fix yeah, him. Yeah, that's the last, the last hurrah. You know, we're gonna give you one little last go before you have to stop completely. It seems like kind of a nice thing in a weird way. One what, for the road.
17: What if they get the wrong house and then they get someone else addicted to stuff?
16: Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Because
17: like cops bust down the door on wrong houses all the time. Like they'll Super. get internet information and they'll get the wrong IP address and all sorts of stuff. So
16: yeah, and 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 did do, do they drug the people in there too? You know, they say, "Okay, we got it wrong. This is drug use." So you forget that we busted in your house.
17: Do you mean like Men in Black style, where they like make you forget by?
16: Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh,
2: you know, I just listened to that clip, and he said he he drug people to rehab. He didn't. Drug them. So you're picturing? See, I thought he went like, in with like oh, a syringe, collaring them, <laughs> and hauling them out. See, of I there. thought he had like a syringe, oh, and they were unconscious. Yeah. Then he loaded them so in like that, the back that, of that an would, ambulance. That would be cool too, but yeah. I, so, so you
17: so you think he's walking there? Like
2: we can play the clip over again. The song's only a couple. So, uh, uh, the show's only a couple minutes long. Uh, uh. So if any listeners out there want to
18: highlight this clip and send it to Lori and let her know that I would be well qualified because I understood that clip.
16: I just wanted to let you guys run with it. Yeah, but you know, you would have picked a clip that where he said "dragged" instead of "drug." See, that's the thing is, is if you were like screening what he said, you would have said, "Wait a minute, he said drug." I know that Ivy would have said, would have mistaken that. Super. So, you know, your screening skills. I uh, don't you say I Ivy? You know, I didn't know I just that. I didn't talk your to support. the psychic
18: and tell yeah. him that. Ask him that. That's what would
16: have happened. I didn't do that. Oh, you play the psychic card now? Yeah. Well, all right. You know what? I, I tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna do. It's a, uh, we're gonna do some more music here. We got a band from Australia. They're called Splash, and they tune "I Need It."
17: And then after Splash, we have a Northwest band, the Murder City Devils, with "I Want a Lot Now." Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: the Spud Goodman Post Show Report.
17: Lawrence, I think you are doing such a great job as the host, and I just want to tell you, you've developed your own take, Mm -hmm. and it's really fresh. I don't want to
18: sound like I'm a hater, but let's be real here. Just about anyone could host this post show report. I mean, I could do it in my sleep. No, mm-hmm. I don't know
16: about that because, you know, I think both Ivy and I have a better fear for what it takes to host this show. You know, this is a major responsibility to come on, you know, and, and, and don't it may look kind of easy for it. takes a lot of hours, many, many hours of preparation before we go on each week. I got to tell mm-hmm. you, you know, I don't think you would understand that, you know, being someone who just announces the highlights each hey. week. Yeah. Hey, look, I know for, for a fact that a not-so-trained monkey can handle that job.
17: And you know what I've found? Is that when some, and I am referring specifically to males with this, but when they diminish others' accomplishments, it usually means the one pointing the finger is uh, less than adequately endowed by their creator. Yes,
16: yes, yes. You know, I always found that to be true in prison, too. Because, you know, for the the inmates who chose to belittle the other people, Mm -hmm. when you go to the shower, And that's when the truth always came out. Mm -hmm. I resent that. Well, of course you do. I deny, and I deny it, too.
17: Of, of course you do. Well,
16: that's getting natural. Super. You know, let's listen, listen to one more song we got. This is a band from Sweden, First Aid Kit, which is, of course, Joanna and Clara Soderberg. And this is their song, Emmy Lou. something ivy i had a great time working with you tonight i gotta say
17: thank you i i really enjoyed myself too and it was a lot of fun yeah. it was, fun.
15: Well,
18: it was well, great to have ivy anyone back. cares yeah. i had an okay time too i mean it wasn't a total blast or
16: anything but it was all right yeah that's good to know Doug. okay you know so we uh need to thank our panel here hey we got dave on the soundboard well done dave always thank you yeah yeah thank you for your work mike our engineer great job to you too Woo. oh thanks guys for yeah, sure. yeah, we appreciate you, and uh, Trent. You know, uh, you did a good job playing double duty. I gotta tell you, Ivy reminded me that I'm scared of her. Uh oh, you scared of Ivy? Well, you know what? You know, just just be conscious and uh, remember, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. Uh, so try not to waste it. Try I not will to worry cut too you too much about Ivy. There, her box is worse than her bite. I gotta tell you,
18: you uh, you wanna give me a thanks for handling the highlights oh, flawlessly geez. like I usually do? Yeah, all right. thanks.
17: Yeah, and now, Lawrence, you understand just one little reason why the host position on the Spud Goodman Post Show Report makes me glad that I uh, chose to go on sabbatical.
18: Makes me feel good, too.
17: Although, if I ever do want to return to my old job, Oh, make sure they make you
18: the co host. Oh, that's really Which, nice. Yeah. I mean, I thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, you know you can't do that. There's federal guidelines for employment positions. You can't just swap jobs back and forth like that. That's I wrong. Mean, you know, of course we, we can.
16: Why don't we say goodnight? You know, we're out yeah. of time now here. We okay. are totally out of time. And yeah. good
17: night. Thank
16: you. All right. See everybody next week.
2: The Spud Goodman Post Show Report is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Associate producer, David Deer. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Audio highlights, Derek Schneider. Our interns are Anna Howell and Trent Botello. Theme music composed and performed by Brian J. Martin. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Copyright 2015, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.